Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Templey. nature it should be for people that are 18 years or older heed my warning people i do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show the facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims my description of the crime scenes or what i saw with my own two eyes if you're gonna get offended Please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And today I'm going to be continuing the second part of what happened last week um, in Courtney Coco's uh, case in court um, where David Anthony Burns' lawyer had filed all these motions and told y'all he was able to finally get the, some of the facts of the case on the record. But before we start, thank you all for listening. I appreciate you. Uh, if you're a regular lifer, you're going to be here in this Saturday morning on June 19th. That be the morning of the crew bash. We're just a couple days away from it, y'all. And check and see if you still have tickets. I think there's still going to be a certain amount of lots before you can walk up at the door and buy them that night. Doors open at 7 o'clock. Special thanks to, uh, again, to Captain Calvin Duvall, Duvall's Cajun Charters, for donating the fish and trip for Lopa, where if you buy a ticket, it's $15 a ticket. If you, the winner's going to win a guided fish and trip donated by Duvall's Cajun Charters, the lodging for your trip is going to be donated by Real Life for a Crime and me, and then... The winner is going to get to bring all their fish home, and it'll be a lot, y'all. And a brand-new Yeti ice chest donated by Local Leaders, the podcast, and Jim Chapman. And a second-place prize is donated by Miss Tiffany Scard in Home Key Mortgage. It's another 125-quart Yeti ice chest, y'all. So you can still get those tickets all the way up until the time when you walk into the crew bash that night. and We'll sell them one more time at the door. And then at the end of my podcast, I'm going to uh, present the check, or we're all going to get on stage and present the check to 
Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency's representative, says, thank you so much. And, and thanks, Buddy's Barbecue, Denham Springs, Louisiana, y'all. Got to try it out. If you live in Livingston Parish or surrounding areas, or y'all, he can even ship his food. Um, and um, Mickey Watson, who's named Buddy's Barbecue after his deceased father, he's won all kinds of barbecue competitions and everything, and his food is legit. We got to try it all. Great guy. He's uh, donated some more stuff. Um, for the lifers that are coming from out of town, we'll put to, together goodie bags for them. That are, uh, people that are staying at the Hilton and Buddy donated some of his dry rub pork seasoning for that bag also. But Buddy's Barbecue can also cater as small as 10 people up to huge weddings, and it doesn't even have to be barbecue. You can cook anything from uh, jambalayas to whatever, boudin. I mean, this man can do it all. And I'm going to be going fishing this week with some lifers uh, from Colorado who are coming in to go fishing with Captain Duvall because of real life, real crime. And they invited me to go on that trip with them. And Miss Mickey from Buddy's Barbecue is going to hook us up with a lunch because, you know, barbecue carries really well, right? And ice chest, and he's going to hook us up with some more barbecue. So y'all stay tuned for a video of that. But thank you all for liking us and sharing us and helping me grow. And patron members, thank you so much. Uh, your episode will be coming out. The your bonus episode will be coming out the last week of the month when we don't have. I'm not doing any releasing any other episodes. So hopefully we can get through this one. And then we're going to start a whole new season with a couple of surprises for y'all. So let's just get with it. Back to court. Oh, last thing, if you if you own a business like um, Buddy's Barbecue or whom, if you own a business and you you want to advertise with Real Life Real Crime, email Cindy at Cindy C Y N D I at Real Life Real Crime dot com, and and we'll tell you what your options are. So I mean, we do it for the national companies every every week, y'all. I like to do it for people who own their own businesses. But let's get started. Go back into the courtroom, and I told you, you know, that um, LaCour, the defense attorney, was questioning Detective Tanner Dryden on the stand. He was really hounding on hard about this eyewitness out of Texas who said he almost got run over by uh, Burns backing out of the, the body dump site and winning. And they were going back and forth, and... I think it, I ended it where, you know, he asked about tire tracks being found scene where they matched the car. Dryden said, yeah. And asked about the shoe prints, and Dryden said, yeah. But basically, he summed that part of it up. He's, he asked, LaCour said, Detective Dryden, do you have any witnesses that saw my client, Anthony Burns, with Courtney Coco that weekend in Tanner kind of hesitated, and, and LaCour asked him again, and Detective Tanner says no. All right, so second part. LaCour starts to question Dryden about who I call suspect to y'all from the series, and I'm still not going to say his name. So he begins to question about suspect two, and he said, do you know who this person is? And Dryden said yes. 
And he said, you know where he was that weekend? And Dryden said, well, I mean, he kind of hesitated. And, and LaCour said, you know, asked him again. And Dryden said, well, he, he was riding four-wheelers at an at a ATV park. And LaCour says, what, what, didn't he supposedly get hurt? that weekend, and he said, yes. And uh, he said, do you have any proof that he got hurt? And Dryden said, no. He said, I tried to pull the medical records, but they don't keep them past 10 years. And it, so, I mean, LaCour basically was like, so you don't have any proof that he was at an ATV park riding or whatever, and ultimately Dryden had to say no, that he didn't. And LaCour says, didn't suspect to... Uh, didn't you have a witness that told you suspect to DNA was on the trunk? And and Tanner said that suspect two said if if it was that suspect two said if it was it was because he was set up. The court said didn't he say he was in the area three times when the body was dumped? Tanner said that suspect two said he was and forgot work stuff and went back home and, and came back to make a delivery. Now, y'all heard all about this on, on the podcast, right? The LaCour said, didn't you get a statement from a witness that said he told someone, I'm going to prison because my DNA is on her trunk? And Tanner said that Suspect 2 said if it was there, he was being set up by his ex. LaCour says, didn't the witness tell you that suspect two got home late that night in his van? Tanner said, yes. And he says, did that witness tell you they found some stuff in the van? And Tanner said, yeah. He said, um, and some saran wrap. He said, but the saran wrap wouldn't be uh, unusual because he carried supplies wrapped in his van when he did his deliveries. LaCour says, but didn't. He missed a birthday party that weekend, and Tanner said yes. And LaCour says, so there's no uh, proof that Suspect 2 was riding in an ATV park and no medical records, and you don't know really know where he was. And LaCour starts talking about statements, all right? And he says, uh, statements from... Suspect Two's ex that, that said Suspect Two was obsessed with Courtney Coco. Tanner says yes, because he kept saying Burns killed her. And LaCour says that Suspect Two is, is one who said Courtney was wrapped in comforter and that Burns' grandma, and he later changed it to mom, y'all, watched the comforter and, and did Tanner interview the mom. Tanner said no, because she was deceased. But he did a search warrant on two of Burns' previous addresses looking for the comforter and didn't find it. LaCour asked about another witness and did Tanner interview them. Tanner said they were dead also. LaCour got into the DNA sample and Tanner said it came back to an unknown male mixed with Courtney. But technically, they couldn't tell back then, right, because DNA wasn't advanced enough. But Tanner said he's in the process of getting warrants for Burns' DNA now because they're retesting the DNA, and DNA is improved, but it's no guarantee that it'd be improved enough to to get enough markers out of y'all. 
Then LaCour asked Tanner why suspect two is not under arrest. Tanner says he didn't think he was a suspect. Well, again, y'all, I'm calling him suspect two because that's what you heard me call him when I did the episodes on on the casework that we found, right? That I found. Um, so the defense asked, and he's swapping it up. He asked about Courtney's old roommate, and he said he said the girl's name, and and uh, he said didn't they have a falling out, or didn't you know Courtney putting her out, put her out of the house? And Tanner says he can't recall. Maybe something about stealing is the reason that she got put out. And LaCour asked about break-ins at Courtney's. Tanner said he couldn't recall. And LaCour says, well, weren't there seven police reports filed before her death about break-ins at her house? And Tanner says, well, there were some, but he'd have to review the file. And again, LaCour says, didn't you read your file before court? LaCour asked about another witness that saw a guy named Prince driving Courtney's car in the projects in Alexandria on Sunday before her body was found the next day. And Tanner said, yes, someone gave that statement. Now, y'all, Prince is Angola for the rest of his life for murder that that happened uh, that he did after Courtney Coco. And LaCour asked who was the last person to see Courtney Coco alive, and Tanner says it was her friend, and I'm not going to say the name. It says she was, and LaCour said, and she was the last person to use Courtney Coco's cell phone, and Tanner says yes, in Louisiana. LaCour starts asking about other suspects, including Courtney's boyfriend and two other guys that were said to have been having sex with her or threesome with her, and they killed her accidentally. McCor asked, wasn't it even said by someone that Courtney's sister was involved with Burns and it was it was about theft of money? And Tanner said, yeah, that, that was said. McCor says, Burns said he stayed home and had sex with his girlfriend all weekend, and that is his alibi. Tanner says, at Friday night, the girlfriend says she and Burns had an argument, and he left and didn't return until late Sunday night or Monday morning. And y'all, this part of this is what y'all heard on the uh, on the podcast. LaCour asks, what makes you think that Courtney Coco was murdered in Louisiana? And says, statements Burns made people. Tanner says it was statements that Burns made to people, which included details that he smothered her with a pillow and wrapped her in a comforter and put it in the car, and that crime scene photos show the bedroom in disarray and the comforter was missing and a safe was broke into. And this was consistent with statements that Byrne made to at least three others that he provided details to that weren't released to the public, and that he smothered her during a robbery and dumped her in Texas. The core, the defense attorney says, the autopsy can't say why she was murdered, and a second autopsy said it was an overdose, and he asked Tanner why he thinks it's murder. 
Tanner talks about the severe decomposition of the body and, um, and that the cause on the, the autopsy was listed as a possible asphyxiation. And LaCour says, what about the overdose? Talking about the second autopsy, y'all. Tanner couldn't answer about that, right? So LaCour says, you have no DNA or evidence that proved my client murdered Courtney Coco or dumped her. Tanner said, burns the statements to others, given the details, and the defense says, but no physical evidence. Tanner says about the witness from Texas again that almost hit Burns in Courtney's car, and the defense says that doesn't prove he murdered her or that he even dumped a body. And LaCour asked about several other possible suspects, y'all, and scenarios and if Tanner was aware of them. And he said that he was, okay? And finally, LaCour turns back over to Hugo Holland. I mean, he's, he, you know, the whole time he was on doing with uh, Tanner, he was very aggressive towards him, very uh, uh, just trying to get all the stuff out other things on the record in front of the judge about all these other witnesses that said the different things and about suspect two being obsessed with her and he was the one that was actually missing and he said his DNA was going to be on the trunk of the car. He puts himself in the area three times when the body was dumped and all that. And basically, you have nobody that saw Burns with Courtney Coco that weekend. Well, yeah, basically, right? But it's not everything, y'all. So he tenders him back over to Hugo Holland, meaning he gave uh, Tanner back to Hugo Holland. Hugo Holland asked Tanner if he was aware of other autopsy reports that say Courtney was murdered. Tanner says yes. And Hugo Holland says, what did they say about the cause of death? And Tanner says it's a asphyxiation. Yeah, I'm, I'm having to read through my notes. Remember, I told you it was so much information. I left court and I spent like three hours taking notes on my phone. Um, all right, so Hugo Holland asked Tanner, he said, Courtney Coco was murdered and dumped in Texas by Burns. And you would figure that since her car was found in Houston, that he needed a ride back. And Tanner says, yes. And Hugo Holland says, and isn't it logical to think that suspect two picked him up? And isn't that something we're looking at? And LaCour really wasn't paying attention. And then he like halfway heard it and he just fucking goes off, right? And um, he jumps up and objects. So you I object. And, uh, Hugo Holland can't say that because there's no proof that Burns killed Courtney Coco. Not one bit of evidence, and he went off. Um, I thought it was brilliant on Hugo Holland's part because the only thing I, w- I would have been afraid of out of all the bullshit that that um, LaCour brought up about Suspect 2 and the statements and the statements against him and all which implicate him. I mean, basically, everything that LaCour said today didn't or in the in the courtroom that day did not implicate burns i mean he he made a fact of that but he certainly made it look like it could have been 
anybody else but Jesus, right? Anybody else but Jesus and Burns. And, you know, the course just says that, you know, you can't, you can't try my client on this, you know, uh, it just, it just doesn't work, right? And he said, you just can't nearly, he said, you can't just nearly willy pick my client uh, because this is now a high-profile case. After all these years, they, they decide to work it, and they can't pick my client. There's no proof of, of murder, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's not true, y'all. Uh, I told you about the two different kinds of evidence before, et cetera. So, but, and LaCour just went off um, when Hugo Hollis slipped that in about suspect two, picking up burns from the scene that there was something that they were looking at. Let's see what I put in the notes. Yeah, so I would have been afraid that, uh, um, that it would look very bad for Courtney Coco on what LaCour was saying. The uh, But, I mean, it's not a probable cause here, and you know, all the grand jury's already indicted him. And but I mean, you got an eyewitness puts him backing out at a high rate of speed, almost runs him over to the point where he sees him, picks him out of a photo lineup, and is able to give partial plate on Courtney's car. That's huge. The uh, all the other statements of the people that Burns told. Um, now Burns told him over the period of the years that he murdered Courtney Coco and what he did. And, and there are, these witnesses are independent of each other. And they didn't come to light in 2011. Maybe one of them did, but the rest of them came after we started putting the pressure on the podcast and after I found things out and after APD and, and Tanner actually started to work the case. So, like I said, it didn't look, if you didn't know any better, it wouldn't look great. Um, and, you know, the, but... The, the rest of the stuff that LaCour said was totally fluff, and he was on a fishing trip and trying to get it all out, uh, a doubt out to the media and on the public record. And LaCour tried to do this initially with a preliminary exam request, which the judge denied. He also tried to get into bill of particulars, which under Louisiana law was only allowed for uh, Tanner's testimony. Like I told you off, he was going to die, retire, move out of state, et cetera. And... But he wanted out of public, and he got it in under this damn uh, uh, bond reduction hearing. Okay. All right. So let's go back to it. the when Burns is sworn in. We we'll get to his part. Lacour calls him uh, to be sworn in to talk about the actual bond reduction. Now. It's a standard, y'all, and then, and you heard me do it. Uh, mentioned in the last courtroom episode when they asked guy how much money could you make and all that. So they swear him in, get his name, and, and give him his address. He said, well, "What's your address?" And he was like, "Well, it used to be whatever it was." And he said, "Well, aren't you locked up in the Rapids Parish Jail now?" And he said, "Yeah, that he was." And he said, and how much is your bond? He said, 500000 No, before we got to that, he asked him, he said, before you got locked up, he said, were you working? He said, yes, I was. And he said, what were you doing? He said, I did drywall finishing. He said, I did painting. I did tile work. I did whatever. He said, I was self-employed. He said, so if you, the judge is able to reduce your bond today, would you be able to go back to your same residence? And he said, yes, I would. And he said, and, and would you be able to go back to your same work? And he said, yes. 
and he said, you know, if if you get out today, if the judge grants you the bond reduction, you can get out. You're going to have restrictions on you, and you know. And Burns said yes, and the Corps asked Burns if his family has the ability to make the five hundred thousand dollar bond, and Burns said no. The Corps says, how much do you think you can make if the judge lowered the bond today? And Burns said. $50,000. He kind of hesitated, and he said, well, I can make $50,000. And the core then turns it back over to Hugo Holland, right? Hugo Holland jumps up, and he says, you know, I don't want to introduce Anthony Burns' criminal history into the record, which states that he has a prior criminal history in California and 37 arrests in Louisiana, including three felony convictions, and he, he starts to list them off, y'all, and this dude's <laughs> this dude's criminal history is long and distinguished, all right? So um, <clears throat> now the LaCour immediately jumps up and ejects says, Your Honor, yes, he has a prior history, but nothing in this case says he murdered Courtney Coco. He, he said, if this case hadn't become a high-profile pro- high-profile case, Burns never would have been arrested, and that prosecutors did it because it became a high-profile case, and there is not one piece of evidence that says Burns murdered Courtney Coco. And LaCour says, you know, I feel bad for the Coco family and that and that I've personally lost a loved one or loved ones to violence. And he said, but it doesn't give the prosecutors the right to go nilly-willy and arrest Burns because it became a high-profile uh, case. And basically, LaCour saying the case is bullshit and it never would have been done if it hadn't caught the media attention from real life, real crime. He didn't say real life or crime, though, y'all. I think they're saving that for trial. So then, uh, you know, that Hugo Hollins is harping on, on the criminal history, and rightfully so. It's a bond reduction. Now, when you do a bond reduction, y'all, the judge has to consider, first of all, they can take in uh, consideration the facts of the case that they've heard. And then the other thing they're going to take in is if, if the bad guy or girl is still a threat to society. I and mean, if they let them out on bond, first of all, are they going to show back up? And that's one of the questions that LaCour asked Burns. I, f- I forgot about to just now is, do you have a passport? And he said, naturally said no. And the judge has to decide, okay, if I lower this bond to where this guy can get out, he's saying he can make $50,000 bond. Now, y'all, that didn't mean he had to, they would have had to pay the whole 50000 He could have gone to a bondsman, and the average rate is like 12%, 10 to 12%. Let's say it's 10%. That means that his people would have had to put up $5,000 and he would have got out on bond. Now, Courtney Coco's murder trial is not going to happen probably for another year. So that's a long time. And the judge has to decide, well, if I let him out, is he going to be a threat to society? Uh, Or is he going to abscond? Is he going to haul ass to Mexico or whatever? Well, I don't think Anthony Burns can find his way out of, of the state of Louisiana or Texas, much less down to Mexico. And, and if you go down there, you got to have a way to make a, a living. So I don't think that's the issue. I think the huge part of the issue is, though, if you let him out and he makes bond, 
Now, all these witnesses, y'all, for the first time, their names have been put on public record, okay? My mind's eye, if these are the only witnesses you got or you got three witnesses that I told, possibly four, but three witnesses that I told um, I murdered somebody and they're the only ones that could put me there other than or in, in that situation other than the the guy I almost ran over, well, think about that. I mean, if you go, you're going to prison for the rest of your life for second-degree murder, that's no no probation, no parole, no nothing. I mean, it's a stretch, but if it, if it was me, I'm going to kill everyone up. And, and if I get caught killing them, so what? They, they, I'm not going to get anything worse, maybe uh, the death penalty. It, but, I mean, who wants to live in prison for the rest of their life anyway? So if Burns gets out and he kills uh, uh, all these witnesses that now LaCour has put on the record, and then there's no trial. I mean, he's going to walk. Uh, the, the, I mean, you have a right to confront your uh, accusers at trial. So the judge has to take that into consideration. And then the judge has to take into consideration if, if he might cause some other kind of harm while he's out. Now, LaCour tried to make Burns look like this hard-working man, like y'all saw him on the video he did on me on Facebook, but he was like, you know, out in this world, don't let them see you doing good, people. Don't let them see you doing good because they can't stand it. You know, they can't stand to see a man doing good. Well, bitch, you wasn't doing that good. Um, I don't know what you were on when you did that video and your Photoshoppies and all that bullshit, but, yeah, okay, so you're painting and doing some sheetrock and shit like that, um, whatever. The If he gets out, uh, he commits another crime. Now, look, 37 arrests, 37 arrests. Now, think about that. The law of average, if you get arrested 37 fucking times, how many times didn't you get arrested? Even the dumbest fucking criminals they commit crimes that they don't get arrested for. So if you want to do that times 100, you know, 3,700 crimes at a minimum. I mean, so every time you buy dope, that's a crime. Every time you sell dope, that's a crime. Every time you commit a burglary to support your dope habit, every time you, you know, murder somebody, shit, that's all fucking you hide evidence, whatever it may be. Those are all crimes that nobody ever knows about. And and I'm speculating, and I think I have enough experience where I can speculate and be correct on this. If that if he got arrested 37 times, that means they pled a whole bunch of them down to misdemeanors, and he's got three felony convictions, including, I think, one is a burglary and and. I don't know if they'll remember what they said the other ones are, y'all, but the if you get arrested 37 times, they plead down because that's where our justice system works. Um, how many crimes did you commit that nobody knows about? And I promise you, it's a fucking bunch. So the judge has to take that into consideration. If he gets out, is he going to be this little choir boy and keep doing his little good work and you know, maybe coming after Woody Overton with his photoshoppies and his civil attorney, whatever. I know the judge wouldn't consider that, but um, the is he going, what is the likelihood that he's going to commit another crime? And I, I submit to you, it's pretty fucking high. 
I mean, that's anything from drug use all the way to murdering all these witnesses that now LaCour has put their name out there to God and everybody and throwing up a bunch more stuff on the wall, too. But remember, I told you, no way the prosecution tipped their hand. They had Hugo Island said before he's to the judge, he said, I don't want to sit here and have a mini trial this afternoon. That's what the grand jury was for. The court smart enough to get it in under the motion to reduce bond. He got he didn't get in everything, but the the prosecution didn't have to put up shit other than Dryden had to answer LaCour's questions about all these other suspects and all this other stuff. I mean, but I can assure you the prosecution has guns when it come when it comes to trial. Now, let's talk about that. One of the most uh, first of all, the judge ruled no bond reduction for Anthony Burns, right? And said the grand jury indictment is the reason for it. And Burns's 37 arrests proves his tendency um, to commit crimes and that she's not comfortable in reducing the bond and that 500000 is on par with other second-degree murder cases and rapides and second-degree murders, the most serious charge you can get, obviously, other than the first, which is a death penalty. Now, so... She's still being fair, I think, on, on that part. I mean, shit, I wouldn't let his ass out. No, I wouldn't reduce the bond. And let me tell you what happened one time. I had a case in, God, I'll never forget this. And we'll have to do it one day. Where a guy comes in for a bond reduction here and on a domestic violence case. I'm not going to say where it was. The, uh, he comes in for the bond reduction here, and, and he was in for beating his wife, uh, and the kids had testified in the CAC interview. I mean, he, it was it was pretty big, you know, beating that he put on her. I mean, uh, it was good felony charges, and they had like three kids, and the judge ends up reducing the bond. The dude had been in jail for like eight months or something. The judge ends up reducing the bond down to where he can make bond, and guess what happened? He goes back to the jail. He's processed out. He went to uh, now. He had a no contact order. You remember the you know the restraining order and uh, uh, protective order, whatever you want to call him. And he had that as part of his bond. The judge told him, and you get out, you'd have no contact with the victim or the kids or whatever. And guess what, y'all? He got out and he went over there at night and he killed his ex and all three kids. All right. Now, what do you think that judge was feeling? And I know this judge. Uh, it's bad. It was bad shit. So uh, the judge in this case, I mean, when she says, "Look, you got a grand jury indictment." And basically, she was saying, I didn't get to hear everything that was presented to the grand jury. And, and LaCour, you know, you got the case file, and, uh, um, and you, you had enough time to find all these things that try to make your client look not guilty. But she knew she didn't hear everything. She didn't she didn't hear everything why, and, uh, uh, why Anthony Burns was 
under arrest and indicted by a jury of his peers on the grand jury for second-degree murder, Courtney Cocoa. Now, why didn't she hear it? LaCour got out everything he wanted the media hear about all these other possible suspects and, and, and shit like that. He tried to make Tanner look bad, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Tanner props. Tanner did well on the stand. I mean, he didn't get frazzled or anything else. Hugo Holland did extremely well on answering, but, you know, you could just tell that LaCour didn't bring up anything about why, besides the uh, the witness that he wanted to attack about that almost hit him, he didn't bring out the real meat, okay? And it's in the case file, all right? Uh, um, so the judge, you know, tells him, it's the most serious crime there is. 500000 is on par with other cases that have been in this jurisdiction for second-degree murder for a bond. Now, y'all, everybody has a right to a bond unless it's, you know, they're, uh, they're a threat to public or whatever, to a fair and reasonable bond. So that's what the judge is saying. This is reasonable, and it's fair compared to the history of Rapids Parish and the other second-degree murder cases that we have. And the... Uh, that's it. And the criminal history, I mean, she's like 37 arrests. <laughs> and I mean, fuck, that's a lot, y'all. That's the ones that he got arrested for. All right. So she denies the uh, bond reduction and rightfully so, in my opinion. Then they go some like housekeeping matters. They start talking about the next uh, court date, which is in August, y'all. And that's where... Yeah, LaCour was like, I just got this uh, case file, and it's 2,500 pages long, and, and, you know, I won't file a motion, something basically to the effect of that that the prosecution has to give me anything exculpatory or anything that you know, basically help my uh, client. And Hugo Holland answered, said, Your Honor, I gave him 2,500 pages in case file. You know, it, 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 I gave him everything that we have, and if we get more, I'll be sure to give it to him. And the, the assistant public defender, you know, put something on the record. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically I think he was hinting that maybe there was something that was supposed to be in the file that wasn't in the file, and he just basically answered to Yonner, said, Yonner, if there's something, you know, if there's something like that, something we missed, we will make sure to get it to him. And this little young guy says, well, we're going to file a motion about it anyway or whatever. And then and Hugo Holland said, Yonner, let him file it. I'm, we've given him everything that we have. And again, you know, I'll continue to do so if we get something else that comes in. But y'all, in, in my experience, the thicker the case file on that, uh, uh, and this was tw we know is that now is at least twenty five hundred pages long. Now that's not just the case file from um, the original stuff from Texas and stuff like that. This is going to be everything that Tanner's put together to get it to the grand jury and all that. And so that's that's a lot. But in my experience, the thicker the file, the stronger the case. Okay, and again, you better believe Hugo Holland. He didn't have to. He didn't have to break out his big guns. And this case is going to get a whole, whole lot more interesting uh, as we go along. Now, I say interesting. I shouldn't, I, I, you know, I don't want to make light of it, y'all. I mean, it's Courtney Coco's murder case. She's been with us from the beginning. It's murder. And no matter what the outcome is, and I fully believe they're going to get a conviction, but 
no matter what the outcome is, the it'll never bring Courtney back. You know, and that's that's sad, and it's it's sad for the family and all that. But you know what? Justice doesn't suck either, and and meaning that Anthony Burns has been indicted. Anthony Burns is going on trial, and as far as suspect two and all that, and and you know if he's going to testify against Burns or whatever, I don't know. I don't know what they have up their sleeve. But it's going to be, it, it'll probably be one of the longest trials that uh, I've ever sat in. Now, you know, you, you see these murder trials like O.J. Simpson and shit like that. They go for months and months and months and stuff like that. I've never had one go for more than a week and a half. So this one is going to be something to see. I mean, you've got... the, the When the defense puts on their case, it's really going to be something... The, Prosecution's case is going to be fire when the defense puts on their case, and or they get to cross-examine these uh, witnesses that the prosecution puts up. It's going to be fire, and it's going to be a hell of a case. And I'm going to be there for every step of it, y'all. And and I don't know. I just want y'all to get to know what the fool going on. And I know I didn't get everything exactly right, but I want you to understand when you get this 30-second thing on the news that says. You know, Detective Dryden says, blah, blah, blah. And this is, you know, the evidence. Well, it's a whole lot more that goes to it. This is a war and their strategy on both sides. And I just want justice for Courtney Coco, period. So I don't know. And again, the, the I'll be there. And I thank you, Patreon support, supporters, for you know, your contributions allow me to do this. And I will continue. We won't have another one until August, but I will continue to bring you the play-by-play behind the scenes from the courtroom so you can hear everything that you don't hear on the news. And I know you lifers have supported Courtney in this case from the beginning, from when I first started doing the episodes and, and how bad the police work was, et cetera, and, you know, melted down the... Alexander Police Department lines and the district attorney's phone lines and all that. And, well, yeah, that's what LaCour was saying when it became a high-profile case. Well, the uh, and I, that's let me back up. Uh, um, Hugo's answer to him saying you only started because it's a high-profile case, da, da, da. Hugo said, listen, Your Honor, personally, we take offense to that. It's been almost 17 years uh, to make the arrest. He said that, you know, I we didn't rush into anything. And that, well, true, they didn't, right? They had it a, a year and a half from, from when I turned it over to Alexander Police Department. They worked it for another year and a half. So that they didn't rush into anything. So, I mean, whatever, doesn't matter. So thank you all for the support, the continued support. I appreciate it. Uh, the crew bash, if you're hearing this on Saturday, it's going to be tonight. Y'all to come on out. They said there's a little tropical storm coming. We don't give a fuck about that. And they, this is South Louisiana. We're going to have the party of all parties anyway. And thank you again to everybody. Happy's Irish Pub, the Hilton, Buddy's Barbecue, uh, Home Key Mortgage, Captain Duvall, Duvall's Cajun Charters, Jim Chapman, Local Leaders Podcast, 
you know, uh, and everybody else has donated stuff, whether it's in the goodie bags for, you know, that we gave to lifers that stayed at the Hilton or um, Buddy's Barbecue and it's making my stomach growl now, you know, uh, donating their rub and, and uh, the, the lunch that I'm going to uh, when I go fishing with these fans that are coming in the day before that Friday. So we're fishing on Thursday. But thank y'all. We appreciate you. And again, we're going, y'all, if you have a business and you want Real Life Real Crime to promote you, hit us up. Email Cindy, or I'm sorry, it's it's Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I, at realliferealcrime.com. Miss Barbara Blunt's case. I totally forgot to mention it last week, y'all, because I was trying to get my thoughts straight on the case, and I apologize about that, but please continue to call in your tips. I have been talking with Sheriff Jason Ard. We are moving forward. I've been talking to the family members, and, and the only way Barbara Blunt's case is going to get solved is by the crowdsourcing technique. Y'all got to continue to call in your tips, your ideas, your suggestions. I love them all. It doesn't matter what they are. The, there's no wrong idea. Or, um, don't feel like, oh, well, you know, Woody probably already knows about this because there may be something I didn't know about. Call it in. Remain anonymous. I don't care. Once your name on it, that's great, too. Um, but we're going to start working it on. Well, we've been working it, obviously. But we're going to try a different approach on don't call it a cold case. Toby Tom play and eyes podcast, and it's going to start out covering Miss Barbara Blunt, but it's going to be totally different than what I'm doing now with the Big Show production, okay? So not ever giving up justice for Barbara Blunt, justice for Courtney Coco, and I don't know, it's just huge. Uh, love all y'all. I appreciate you. Thank you for your support. Uh, social media, it's it's at Real Life Real Crime on Instagram or at Overton Woody on our crew page, the private Facebook page, Real Life Real Crime, friends, fans, and crew. You have to ask to be a part of it. It's a, it's a private group. Our Dream Team moderators, thank you, Dream Team moderators, they'll get you approved. And well, I think we're over 35,000 members or 36,000 members in there now. I have to look at it to see. But we're, it's huge, and you can go there and share anything real life, real crime, or not really anything crime-related, y'all. Um, if you want to share something that's not crime-related, we have a real life, real crime lanyard page. Go there. It's also a private group. I think it has like 5,000 members. You can go in there and list anything that you have for sale or videos, whatever you want to do that's not true crime-related. And then... Um, I don't even know what our Twitter is or Twitter or whatever it's called, but we have that too. <laughs> but we have a lot of uh, uh, things that are coming up that are very exciting, and you're going to know about them real soon. And if you are listening from Portugal, if you were wondering, I'm looking at the map. If you're listening from Portugal, you're listening from Portugal, and you want to be an organ donor, Go to lopa.org and sign up. You don't have to be from the state of Louisiana, but certainly if you're in the state of Louisiana, go to lopa.org and sign up to be an organ donor. And y'all, there's a spot on there about how did you hear about it. If you want to check Real Life Real Crime, 
That's awesome. If not, that's fine too. All right. The, uh, the be a hero, give the gift of life for sight. And we are going to be presenting a big ass check to Lopa for the raffle tickets. Uh, Saturday night at the Texas Club at Second Annual Crew Bash. Y'all, if you didn't get to make it to this one, it was supposed to be the Crew Bash I'm talking about. It was supposed to be in February. Got shut down because of COVID. We will automatically, we're going to come out and with a new date for the um, next Crew Bash, which will be um, probably sometime in February, maybe the beginning of March. So if you didn't get to make it, we missed you, and um, but we're having the, the next one. We're going to go ahead and start planning it, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you there. And I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Yeah, if you get a chance to leave me a uh, review on iTunes, if it's not too much trouble, and I know I'm forgetting some stuff I'm supposed to say. The, um, anyway... I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder by You. Peace. Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Template.